You've mentioned already about cancer. In 2017, I got diagnosed with stage four Hodgkin lymphoma. Creativity for me was the backbone of the whole process. It was what gave me a reason to get out of bed. Whacking is a subgenre, kind of like a physical manifestation of the disco music. It Did just... I see you recently at the Tate? Yes, well. it was really epic and I had no business being there. I was like, <laughs> not a model. And now I can say that I've catwalked at the Tate. I am finally coming back after five years. I'm gonna be on the main stage of Manchester Pride I as do. my persona, Shanika Sunrise. Six months, three biopsies, persistent visits to the GP that I finally saw it as something else. This is a shout out to Joe for saving my life. Hello and welcome back to Where Creatives Connect. My name is Jamie Sharp and this podcast is all about digging into creatives from literally all over the world, whether they be dancers, choreographers, musicians, literally any, anything, you name it, I'll have them on. And it's my job to dig into really who they exactly are, what they exactly do, what their creative process is, and what's been part of their journey to lead them to be who they are today. I'm very excited today because I have a wonderful human on that I've not seen. I think it must be about 10 years. It's been a long time. Been very, very yeah. long time. Jay is a wonderful dancer a wonderful choreographer, a wonderful drag artist, a wonderful sharer of positive energy that you don't know the story to yet, but I will tell you about this. I've alluded to it just before, but we'll get there. And you've not always had the easiest of times along the way, which we'll dig into, but I am so happy that you're here today and I'm so excited to dig into everything, and I mean everything, that you are up to. How are you doing? I'm absolutely buzzing to be here yeah and <laughs> thanks for all those kind words yeah i'm really excited to to really get into it super and it is good to see you after such a long time i know it's been bloody ages it has been ages um now i'm going to give you a really annoying question to begin with which is your uber pitch if you are in the back of an uber yeah maybe going to uh a, do a gig on a saturday night in town and they say what do you do for a living what do you tell them Okay, I. this is a really difficult question. I think I'd probably just say performer mm. in general because my immediate thought was dancer. But then when I'm doing music, I'm not really dancing. And then I was going to think of cabaret, but then I don't always do drag. Mm -hmm. So I would just say I'm a performer. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an entertainer uh, and I work in... Uh, in bars in Manchester sure. at, at the moment. At the moment. Yeah. For now. Very broad, yeah. yeah. It's a very difficult. Yeah. I'm going to dive into one of those things to begin with. Okay. Which is drag. Yes. Mm, the most recent thing I've seen on your Instagram is a very exciting bit of news to do with Pride this yeah. year. Tell us all about it. So I am finally coming back after five years, after a, a little self-care hiatus. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be on the main stage of Manchester Pride on Saturday, the 26th of August, like as it. my persona. Shanika Sunrise. Well, we'll do like a little. Yeah, love it. So I'm really excited because it's going to be an opportunity for me to sort of relaunch myself and just get back out there after a long time away. Amazing. Yeah. If you were to describe Shanika Sunrise to somebody that hasn't seen you perform, how do you sort of boil it down into a nutshell? Okay, let me. I'll find three words: synthetic, mm. dumb, and hilarious. Love it. For those people that are watching that um, have never experienced drag at all, what is drag? How did you get into it? I'll, actually, I'll leave you with those two questions. because For now. Actually, hold on. Let's go with what is drag first. Okay. 
So drag is drag is very broad nowadays. It's it's really difficult to define. But I would say drag is now drag is an expression of of your personality in a creative form, um, and it transcends gender. It transcends convention, um, and it's just an elevated form of personal expression. I would say from everything that I know about you, I think it's an a brilliant it's a brilliant platform for you to express lots of different things because, like you've mentioned. You are a performer, but you also create music. You also are very good at makeup. You're also very good. Yeah, yeah. You've got all of these different facets to who you are. And it seems to be a really concise way to put it all together. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when you're asking me to sort of define what it is that I do at the moment, drag is kind of the outlet that encompasses all of that. So, you know, with that, I can I can be musical, I can make my music, I can choreograph and and just be artistic in general. Mm. Um, I think for me, it is just like a, it's it's an opportunity to just project all of my creative energy in in a in a form, in a in a in a personality and, yeah. you know, a character. Tell us, how did you get into it? Oh, so this is kind of like it's quite a comp complicated story. I'll try and keep it as simple as possible. Um, I have always. I've always been a performer, um, as you know, yeah, yeah. Um, back, back back in high school, I was always doing theatre productions and, you know, I, I've been dancing and, and I've done loads of various different types of, of things. Um, but in 2017, um, I was uh, unfortunately diagnosed with uh, cancer. And as a result, I ended up taking a break from everything. And I had a lot of free time on my hands, mm. uh, which was a benefit of the process. Um, <laughs> and my lovely friends at the time, knowing that I was going to lose my hair from chemotherapy, bought me some wigs. Oh. So I put two and two together and I thought, I have this period, this indefinite free canvas of creative sort of potential. Mm. I now have all these wigs. Yeah. So what am I going to do? And I just put them on. And boom, Shanika was born. No way. Shanika Sunrise. And um and it's been chaos ever since. <laughs> That's yeah. beautiful. And I love that that actually came from a bit of a nudge from other people as well. Yeah. Like, here's a gift. And then you're like, okay, what can I do with this? Yeah, definitely. I think they kind of knew. I think, I'd, you know, I've, I've always been a creative personality and they'd, they'd seen that tendency. And I think at the time I was very inspired by RuPaul's Drag Race as well. Uh-huh. Um, I think all of us were watching season nine at the time and it was, you know, we were just talking about it and my friends had just thought, oh, you should do it. You should yeah. go for it. Um, so, um, so I went for it. And, and here you are. And here I am. Yeah. Amazing. Now, that's interesting you say um, RuPaul because one thing that I've always thought about with drag is that I think I've consumed 85% um, of what I've ever seen of drag from TV Right. And only the rest in person. Had you actually seen drag live before um, getting getting stuck into it yourself? Yes, I actually had um, because it was it all happened very quickly. Actually, I think my first sort of insight into drag was from theatre. It was from it was from playing female roles mm. um, at the time. You know, going to sort of an all boys sort of school, um, and so that was my uh, not not. I wouldn't necessarily say it was an awakening, but it was kind of an insight for me that you can sort of bend the rules a little bit and and try different sort of boundaries and, and act in in roles that aren't necessarily conventional. And then I think RuPaul's Drag Race was something that allowed me, that gave me the vocabulary to can to sort of compartmentalize what it was that I was interested in. Then I went and saw shows and I saw people sort of doing 
what you won't see on TV, which is maybe more political statements rather than just sort of aesthetics. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying this to dismiss it. I'm just, you know, that it's very broad. Mm. I kind of tried to do all of my research and then I just was exhausted um, and I decided that I would just give it a go anyway. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I started off with this really concentrated character and I tried to think of all these catchphrases and then I just took a completely different direction and then I started making music and then now I'm just kind of, it's just projection of, of who I am really. And, and I, I, lose, I don't have to worry too much about making it palatable for everyone and, you know, streamlining it. There's a danger, isn't there, when you're trying to please the masses that you lose a sense of who you are yeah. as well. And I think when you're amplifying your own inner thoughts or your own view of the world, that can be a, a dangerous kind of balance. If if you're always trying to please everybody, it's actually, no, let's draw a line. Yeah, This is it really about me right now. I've seen lots of different types of drag acts across the years and um, lip syncing is uh, a big part of it. I've not seen as many people do exactly what you do as well, which is to create some of your own music to lip sync to. Mm -hmm. Why did you lean into creating your own music uh, when there's already so much out there? Is this just another expression of who you are? I think definitely. Um, it, it all comes down to what drag means for me. And and drag is is just uh, it's just a, a, a projection space for for all of my creative impulses you know i i am a musician i i i i love music and I've, I've i've you know i've loved to make music in the past anyway um and i saw it as an as an opportunity to kind of experiment with 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 artistry in that way and be able to sort of make my own music mm -hmm. uh, i think at the time as well when i was when i was experimenting with dragon i was taking my time off i wasn't i wasn't very public with it it was just it was just for myself um so i never had any intentions of kind of taking my music to be performed it was just something that i was working on and it was catharsis really um as well born out of the context of obviously not being very well mm. my music especially my first single was was literally satire it was all based on on that um you know and my lyrics reflect that as well um and i just always wanted to sort of create my own sort of my own performance i think i i really enjoy lip syncing to other people's things but i always have to add something else um you know if i'm doing um if I'm lip syncing like one of my favorite songs, I'd always mix it with like a pop culture reference because mm -hmm. I try and make it different and and like, you know, I try and tell a story through it. And I think the rawest form of that is to do my own stuff. The only reason I don't do more of it is that it's expensive and uh, I'm doing it all on my own. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. It's, it's a lot. Um, but it's also so impressive to see because there's so much depth and thought going into it so yeah thank you i mean i mean i really it's really satisfying it's like my baby you know yeah. you have a song out and it's like that's you know yeah it's, totally it's productive yeah all of that well good luck with pride um and good luck with all of it yo just a quick one from me i'm currently traveling across new zealand and one thing that i bring with me every single day to keep myself safe is my nord vpn and you too can stay safe by following my link in the description below if you're not too sure what a vpn is a vpn essentially allows you to be james bond online stay undercover and stay safe there are literally millions of ways for people to steal your details online and use them for their own benefit and we don't want that if you use my link not only does it massively help out the podcast but it gives you up to 68% off a two-year subscription with three months extra free stay safe online use NordVPN on with the podcast you've mentioned already about um cancer are you able to explain when about that was you're 26 tomorrow yes just for reference um when was this in your life and how long did it last for 
in 2017 I was officially diagnosed but I kind of it it began I guess in September 2016 uh, and I was 19 at the time wow uh, and I was studying, uh, I was at uni and I was doing 150 billion things, uh, <laughs> completely overloading the system. And actually part of this was was one of the reasons why my diagnosis was so late, because I was exhausted mm. and I, I looked at it as a lifestyle sort of uh, as a product of, of that and the fact I wasn't getting enough rest. And it was only after sort of six months and three biopsies and and persistent visits to the to the gp that i finally you know not only got taken seriously but also saw it as something else um and then unfortunately um around about easter time um i in 2017 i got diagnosed with stage four hodgkin lymphoma and i uh had six months of chemotherapy i left uh i left uni at the time and i took just a temporary break because everyone was saying at the time that my age was on my side that my attitude was going to sort of propel me through it all um and i i never really saw it as as something that was you know it was obviously terrible and and devastating but i i, I was just determined to see it through um and i had a i had a you know my sense of humor and everything was kind of you know part of that and that's when i was trying on all my synthetic bobs but then i went back to uni after achieving remission after six months and uh, I then discovered uh, that I actually hadn't been in remission um, and that what had happened is I had had refractory disease, which basically just means that, you know, it might respond initially to chemotherapy or it might not at all. But in my case, it had. Um, and there just wasn't enough of it to be present on a scan. So I'd, I'd been given sort of a false remission mm. um, diagnosis and I ended up then leaving um and because of the nature of refractory disease the way to sort of completely lock it out of of you know preventing relapse which is what had happened is to have a complete sort of factory reset which is otherwise uh described as a stem cell transplant which is what i ended up having so i i then i left uni for good this time and i just didn't really know where, where i was going to be at yeah. um and i tried four different treatments and and it was quite worrying at the time because none of them were working and and they were all as as awful as as each other um but then luckily we managed to sort of tread water and, and wait on this drug that was being passed on the nhs um and it miraculously got passed at the time that i just needed it and i ended up getting into remission and then uh my brother was a stem cell match amazing and so i was saved in in many in many ways and and specifically this is a shout out to joe for saving my life and i had my stem cell transplant in 2019 um and then six months later i was back at uni far too early i shouldn't have gone wow. back though so, yeah i shouldn't have gone back so early um but i was there and then we had the pandemic which i actually received uh, with open arms because it gave me time to heal um yeah. so you know i was literally it was, it was a very unconventional experience but I, I really used that year to kind of just process things and yeah rightly so now what, a, here. what a journey and now you're yeah. here yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> slay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um firstly wow uh what what a journey to do at any age but so young and at a time where you know you're leaving school you're finding yourself in the world you're finding your identity on all platforms and then to have to deal with that in all of its different guises um i can't even come to imagine how difficult that is so 
well done for being so strong through all of that. It's um, thanks. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. The reason I wanted to bring that side of your life up partly is to talk about resilience and potential burnout. Okay. And the other side is creativity and how that has potentially helped you or what your experience was with that. I'm going to go to the the first one first. Okay. So you mentioned that you went straight back after six months to uni before the pandemic hit. Do you think there is something sort of inbuilt within who you are as a person that needs to be moving and having momentum, whether it be a creative push or just in life? Because it seems to be a bit of a common thread amongst creatives to just go, yeah. go, go, go until they burn out. What's your experience with that? Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely uh, who I am. I say that because I think it's quite a flexible thing, but it's, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely that type of personality. Um, I was going mad, to be honest. Um, you know, as, as as awful as it was, I was just, I couldn't, when I, as soon as I got, a sense of of the fact that things you know might be looking up and that I might have sort of an end to it I just faced forward as as a distraction and I just you know I said to everyone at the time I'm gonna I'm just gonna apply to unis um and I think my nurses were were looking at me and you know saying well well that's lovely yeah you know give it a go if it's if it's something for you to focus on as a distraction but I was you know dead serious about it and I did uh, I did do it um and actually in hindsight it probably wasn't the wisest idea because I I had a very difficult first year um, because my body was just, it was just uh, all over the place, really. Um, I had loads of random complications as a result of being nuked. Um, so, uh, yeah, it probably wasn't the wisest decision. Um, but it's, uh, it's who I am. Um, and I definitely think, yeah, both in a creative way and in just a general sort of, in a general sort of productivity sense, um, I I do I do do best when I'm uh, when I've got something going on. Um, free time has has got to be filled. Absolutely, I yeah. I I feel you. I hear <laughs> you, and it's really really hard. I think going back as well to when you were diagnosed, you shared something on Instagram yesterday. Was it World World Blood Cancer World Blood Cancer, uh, World Blood Cancer Day? Easy for me to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and there was a post that you put about uh symptoms. Yes. And. So many of them, a bit like how, you know, what you mentioned before, can be a result of burnout and rundownness in general. Yeah. And do you think that's why it took so long for you to actually recognise maybe this is more than um, being burnt yeah, and run down? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, well, I mean, it's it's strange because it's like there are two there are two elements to it. The first, the simplest answer is yes. Mm. Um, you know, I was I was working and I was doing loads of different things and i i was just shattered and and you know i put that down to just being a student and just doing too many things but the second part of it is that i also am an overthinker um and i i'm not i'm not a hypochondriac but i thought initially that it was perhaps something else yeah um and this was me jumping like miles ahead this was like six months before i even had you know genuine like physical symptoms or, or you know it got to an extent it, 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 it progressed to an extent where people were looking at it as something that was definitely something else I'd already convinced myself way early on that it was something else right it was only when I'd had my first appointment that they were just kind of looking at it and they were saying oh yeah well you know you've got low iron um and it's you know our blood tests are fine otherwise that I just kind of parked it but my 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 mind went straight there initially, and this is the weird thing because I was you know I didn't tell anyone about this until it had gotten so bad to to an extent that I had to obviously tell my family about it, mm -hmm. and then I was having loads of hospital appointments. 
Um, but I would say, yeah, there are two parts to it because I think it was it was the idea that the symptoms are so common um, for you know for people who are just living that sort of lifestyle that was that was my escape and it was kind of not escape but that that was kind of what I I parted on. Um, so you know, my mind had kind of I'd, I'd I'd freaked myself out initially, but then I'd been like, oh, but exactly, these symptoms are very normal, and it's it's because of the way that I am that um, it, it is like this. But it's really weird. It's kind of like a yeah, it's not a universal thing because it's like if you know, you know. But for me, I just it just felt like there was something in the air, mm-hmm. like it was it's really strange. Yeah, when you were in hospital quite yeah. a lot, and actually out of it, I suppose. How did creativity? play amongst your time um and this will lead me on to our mutual friend in a yep. moment uh yeah how did how did you use it was it an active choice to like okay i'm going to get up um today and make something or was it were things offered to you in hospital how did it work it was everything actually creativity for me was the backbone of the whole process um it was what it was yeah it was what what gave me a reason to get out of bed um and to and if i didn't get out of bed set up <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and do something um, because it was just kind of like, it was my idea of kind of, it was catharsis for me, but it was also a way of understanding what I was going through. I think it's such an abstract experience and it is a, it, it is an artistic experience as well without sounding yeah. really pretentious about it. It's like, it's so bizarre. Like the idea that, that you know, you could be just so out of control in that way of, of things um and so my way of sort of i guess gaining control was to sort of frame it in a creative way um and this comes into drag because it was music really that that kept me going and i had my laptop with me when i was there um and you know when people were coming to change my dressings or give me bloods or whatever i was literally on ableton like making like my music and and it was like you know even if i couldn't walk around because i was just too swollen or whatever um i was just it was yeah it was just something in my mind i was like i'm working on something and i'm gonna i'm gonna write music and i'm just gonna get through it um on the better days it would it would be something else it might be choreography uh you know if i was released and i had released you know sounds like um on my better days and i had more sort of stamina and energy i would i would dance and 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 do all of those things but i think music for me was that carrier um that really did get me through it um and yeah and i think i think that's why that's why with the song that I had, my first single, which is Sued, was was all about that. Um, and you know, I, I I have got I've got videos on my on my old hard drive of like self sort of recordings of, of like raps and stuff that I was doing because it was all it was all made during this time. Ah, wow! You know, like oh. one of the lyrics was, um, "I'm a fierce little thing when I pop in the ring. They'll never be ready. I'm a queen, a king. Make them run for the hills as I do my thing. Beat it once before, and I'm still fighting." So it's literally like you are getting sued is like, obviously I'm framing in this sort of corporate bitch like personality, but it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to beat this, Mm. you know, and and you are, I'm going to take you to court, like you being like life or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's all, it's all a manifestation of, of my, of my experience. It's all a creative, it's a cathartic process. Um, and I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have managed it um, in any other way, really, because it's, 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 you know, a sense of humor as well. Like, yeah it's a lot of it is 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 your mentality um you know that's amazing and you wouldn't have necessarily come up with that or that side of the character without any of those experiences but again that's hats off to you for taking 
such a, a diabolical experience <laughs> and flipping it around into not just something that's like, yeah, it's good. It's like, this is great. I've now got something and it's now your job. It's yeah. like how you spend your life. It's it's genuinely amazing. It's Thank inspiring. Um, now, let me bring you on to this story. Uh, did we say 2019, 2018? 2019, I think, is when, yeah, when I met this person. Okay, yeah. so I met this person on a night out um, with a, gr a group of friends and we were having drinks in Manchester and she works at the Christie and she was telling me about um, the activities that they get up to um, with patients, with uh, one another and she was telling me about a few different people and then she came on to this one person who loved making music, loved um, loved creating stuff. But this this is the bit that always stuck with me. I, I was like, oh, that sounds brilliant. Like, what a, what a great thing to, to be able to do. What she started to say was that there were so many people that were on the ward or in, in the building that were starting to be inspired to have a go themselves because they were watching this person just go full guns blazing at what they were doing and they were getting up and they played the saxophone and they had they were always on the piano and on ableton and dancing around half the time when they could and i was listening to this i was going this feels familiar this feels uh like i know exactly what you're talking about and then about i think i zoned out for about 20 minutes just kind of thinking about it and i just went it's not somebody with the last name swinerton is it and she was like, yes, it is. And she was talking about you. Oh. And it was just this beautiful moment where she had just told this story out of no, you know, no, nobody provoked her or, or told her, oh, I know we've got a mutual friend here. Yeah. She just came out with this story talking about you and that what you were doing wasn't just amazing within itself it was inspiring all of these other people who had never touched an instrument before yeah. and probably never even told you that they probably just saw or heard uh, from afar what you were up to um so yeah you are when i mentioned in, in the first bit about you having this uh, positive energy that is so infectious to people around you that's really what i was sort of referring to oh that's so lovely i yeah. I, I didn't know about this um but that's that's really that's really special that is yeah. i really appreciate that because you don't uh I, I didn't know and actually it means a lot that it, it helps other people yeah like that's why else are you doing it you know totally um, oh that's so nice i know it, oh, it was so warm it was so like warm and fuzzy amongst a, a rather raucous night out it was yeah yeah <laughs> it's like oh, very contrasting um so yeah well done for Thanks being you no no it's, it's good to share those things because <laughs> you're right as well you don't know because it's not it's it's much more weird to go up and well it's not weird but it's more uncomfortable I think yeah to go up and say those vulnerable things yeah it is it, vulnerable is the word it's such a it's such a strange environment I think there specifically you know when you're in the game specifically because you you don't know how much to interact you don't know you know you don't know what people's experiences are and you don't know how people are feeling and and you've just got no clue basically it's such a it's an isolating experience and also but you want to find community but then it's like you find out someone's not having a good day and you're having a good day and then it makes them feel like crap and then you feel bad as well. And yeah. it's just like, you know, the interactions are really, are really strange. Um, I think for me, like when I was when I was making music and, and I was in the music room with with this person and all of that, it was it was my only sort of opportunity to interact with people because all you were talking about was that it would rarely go on to sort of 
Oh, is it Gary Owen? Yeah. Because it's a, it's a taboo subject, which makes no sense because if, you know, it's the only place you should be able to talk about things like that. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice, uh, yeah, it's really value. It's really helpful to hear that. And uh, I really appreciate that because, yeah, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Like, no, you don't. It's really weird. Yeah. yeah, it is. I think there's a lot of unsaid stuff in the yeah, world like that. It's dark. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Um, but, Now, <laughs> let me go on to another chapter of who you are, which is dance. Yeah. I have watched you dance for many, many years now. Um, you're amazing. Thank you're absolutely you. amazing. Um, the, uh, the energy that you bring is uh, unlike anything else I, I get to see. So, Thank no, you. it's it's amazing. That must have been particularly hard when your body wasn't working with you yeah. to have to put that on the back burner. How quickly after or going back to uni, were you able to really kind of get fully back into dance? To be honest, in the grand scheme of things, my recovery, my forced recovery, because a lot of the time I just kind of threw myself at it anyway, um, was it, it was about six to seven months to have sort of to be mobile again properly. Right. Um, and to get, you know, not my, I wasn't the epitome of strength, but I was, I was able to dance again after about seven, six, seven months. But I think what was really good and what was really helpful, and one of the reasons I'm so lucky is that I had a dance teacher called Julie, who had always kept this sort of space open for me. Um, and she was like, you know, as soon as you're better, like, we'll get you back and we're going to do some whacking, which is like my favorite style. Mm. Um, we're going to do some whacking workshops. And, um, and yeah, you just, you know, even if you're not feeling it, you can just come and chill with us. And I think just knowing that, that it was something that I could do and go back to was, was something that just kept me moving along. Um, but yeah, it was frustrating because it was, you know, prior to, prior to sort of being on wild dance was something I was doing 24 seven. Mm. It's one of the reasons why I was so knackered actually, because I was teaching as well. And, you know, I was doing all of those things. I can't, I can't deny either though, that when, when I was, when I was in the Christian, when I was, you know, an inpatient, I, I did still, if I was move, if I was mobile, I would like take take the mic and like you know that there was like clicking sounds on the chemo machine and i used to do these like silly videos of me just like twerking to like the beep <laughs> but it was like not every day because obviously yeah. like i wasn't feeling 100 percent at the time but i was still trying to sort of you know do a little yeah <laughs> yeah keep, keep it keep yeah it just going. keeping it keeping it calm but um but no, yeah, I think, yeah, it takes it takes its toll on you physically. Mm. Um, and actually, even a year afterwards, this is part of my first year of going back. Um, even a year afterwards, when I was uh, when I was at university, I was competing like I'd literally done on my first year anniversary for my transplant. I was in Edinburgh and I was on stage and I was dancing. And I just remember having this moment and being like, a year ago i couldn't walk up the stairs wow and i was like yeah i've got it's one of we can talk about it maybe later but yeah. i you know i it was a big moment for me because i what i do remember is like before i was diagnosed when i was waiting on my biopsy results i was also at a dance competition for the same thing but i couldn't get through the performance because i was so unwell wow so i remember before it was in manchester i was uh you know when i was 19 i had like three red balls before i went on stage and i was like towards the end of it i was like i couldn't like i just couldn't get it through and i, I was gutted because it was the first time that i'd felt physically like unable to do the thing that i loved to do and there was a lot of pressure as well because I I taught this piece and it was like you know i'd spent months with my team and you know we were all really excited about it but i was like i just messed that up and yeah. wasn't my fault obviously but um, of course not 
it's just it's a funny parallel really mm-hmm. because you know I've, I've had my transplant and then a year literally a year afterwards I was I was doing the same thing and, and it was like a full circle moment and it's interesting what you start to realize when you've had a, a massive some you know event in your life like that you start to notice those things you're like ah oh, is that meant meant to be is yeah it, uh, it's really it? yeah yeah it's unusual dancing is literally part of when I think of you it's like those two things are mm-hmm. synonymous is that the right word synonymous as long as I have known you you've always been a dancer from the early days that I think back you were was it Sandback Street Dance that you was yeah, your first SDA yeah Street Street Dance Academy was where I was um that was kind of the first place that I started learning to dance I think I'd always been a mover we can check the camcorder footage <laughs> um but you know this was uh this was my first sort of formal dance training that I had uh, and I just loved it um and then yeah and then and then when I met you and we were in high school um we had these evenings of dance and physical theater yeah that was wonderful because that gave us an experience an opportunity to do our own stuff yes so then me and also Jay my other friend um we would do our own sort of like duo dances um and yeah it was just it kind of took off from there I've always yeah I've always had it in me but I've 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 had a lot of help from uh, those opportunities. Was your friend Jay more into break? Yeah, just well, Jay. Jay does. Jay's done everything to be honest. Uh, tap, jazz, modern, all of those different things. But um, but yeah, but but me and to be honest, me and Jay met at at a street dance school. Uh, so we were all we were doing a similar sort of style. But I think nowadays, I've I do a lot more sort of femme like jazz funk whacking style um you know dance are you able to explain what whacking is or, or the, the the style like yeah. how do you describe whacking so whacking is whacking is a subgenre of um I, I guess it all comes it comes from sort of the disco era and you know um it's an extension of of a, of a subculture of an underground subculture for for queer um persons of color really um just creating a, a statement and, and and dancing in a way that is freely expressive um and, and and expressing themselves in a way that perhaps society at the time wasn't ready to accommodate them in that way um and whacking you know is is very much it's it's with your arms uh it's very dynamic it's very freeing um it looks really impressive if you can do it well because it's it's very sort of fast a lot of the time but it's very um yeah, it's kind of like a physical manifestation of the disco music. I love it. Um, but I mean, I whack to anything, you know, I, I, I don't always whack to disco music, you know, or house or, or whatever. It's, you know, I, I, I joked once and did like a like a, a skit video to Enya, you know, <laughs> I was just whacking to Enya once. So, you know, but um, love it. But no, but whacking is it's like a, for me, it's a it's a raw expression. It's like a, 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 a it's like a shot of energy. Mm you know it, it i think the thing i find so impressive about watching you do it is that there's moments that appear to be sort of the chaotic energy that you very quickly realize it's not it's uber precise because of where you then sort of catch or stop, yeah do you know what i mean yeah, and i'm yeah. like oh no that was all like it was all pl- like planned yeah you know what I mean? absolutely yeah i think it's uh yeah it, it's it's there's a balance isn't there because you you, you you're moving with whacking specifically are you yeah. yeah 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 so it, it's a very uh it's a very fast sort of you know 
you can go from being really fluid with your hands and, and with your arms mm. to but you you have to hit the beats you know at the end of the day it's a it has to translate musically totally um but that's i think that's what's so captivating about it captivating about it because you don't know where it's going to go and you know you can put your own twist on it as well people whack in different ways mm. um you know it's it's there is still some freedom in the genre to express your style of it you know mm. But yeah, it's very aesthetically pleasing. It really is. <laughs> it's, it's fab, isn't it? I love it. Now, love you have talked about you as a performer, as a dancer, but you are a big choreographer as well. How did you transition into just saying, yeah, I'm going to choreograph pieces? Were you making stuff up for yourself? And then somebody said, oh, could you do it for me or this group? How did it work? Because that's a big step. It's like musician to composer. So yeah, um, I think for me, it was exactly that. So I was choreographing for myself first of all and it would be little showcases so it would be you know like in high school or whatever and I'd, I'd do like my own sort of routines but then when I went to university I found sort of a um a, a dance collective like as just a society and and that was all kind of like in-house choreography and then we would have similar showcases like the ones we'd have in high school there and then I did a piece of my own um, and then the committee asked me in first year if I could choreograph for their intermediate team initially. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. You know, I was like 18 and I thought I was like, oh, my God, I'm a choreographer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I did this little piece. Um, and uh, and yeah, from that from that minute onwards, I then decided to run for the committee the next year. So then I ended up being dance coordinator, which meant that if I wasn't choreographing everything, I was overseeing a lot of creative direction and I was doing at least the majority of it. Unfortunately, this was the year that I then dropped out because I wasn't well. Mm. Um, but it was kind of I I banked on on having those sort of examples of of my work, and then I used those when I wasn't well to basically be like, this is what I can do. And so then I got back in touch with Julie, who was my dance teacher from you know back in the day, and she was like, oh, like you're teaching now, like come and teach with us. And then I was just basically just doing it like that. And then when I did uni the second time and I moved somewhere else. I, I was a lot more experienced and I had these different pieces collectively and I basically was just like, this is what I can do. Um, and then I ended up doing the role that I wasn't able to fulfill very well at, at Warwick and I, it, you know, cause I wasn't well and I did it again at Manchester and this time I, I, I choreographed the dance and, uh, and it was, it, we did well, you know, we, we won. <laughs> so I'm very proud of that. Um, and so I basically used that as, as an opportunity, as a, as like a, as an example of what I can do, because there were loads of different styles in it. And I was just like, look, I am now a choreographer. You have to sort of like decide one day, like yeah. what you are. I think that's what it is with being a creative. Like, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you're an expert necessarily in whatever it is you do, but you have to start somewhere. And I think at this time I had a body of work that clearly showed what I could do. And I just said, look, I am a choreographer. I'm not saying I'm the best choreographer, but this is an example of my work. And and if you want me, I'm, I'm here. And then people did. And people said, you know, I love it. I, I love this bit that you did. Can you come back and and do something similar? And so that's what I've done this year. Um, I think when you dance all the time, you just, you develop sort of an aptitude for thinking on the spot and choreographing anyway. And so now when I've worked with other artists and they've hired me as, as a backing dancer and they've been at a loss and they've thought, oh, actually, I don't know how to fill this eight count. You just fill that slot for them. Yeah. And then you get another opportunity and it comes along that way. Um, so, yeah, I think because I'm I'm a full time student and I'm not actually like teaching regularly, it's something that has just happened organically. 
you've touched upon a really, really important thing that we mentioned before, um, before the podcast about what, uh, how you title it, what it is, what you do. So you're right. At some point, you just have to decide I have done these things and I'm interested in this and this is where I can put my energy. So I now am a choreographer or yeah. it was the same for me with composing. I'd always written music, but um, for myself or for sort of small projects that it was never, here's my portfolio of stuff. And then I realized I enjoy it so much or I'm already doing it. It would be great to collaborate with more people. And then, yeah, I just became that thing. And it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's a, necessarily a confidence thing. It's like, uh affirming up of your own belief yeah really absolutely yeah it's uh it's really and it also changes i, I imagine in five years time if we had the same conversation it will have moved into a slightly different category or, or whatever as well definitely um interesting now <laughs> we've talked about lots of creative elements to who you are as yeah. a person but another side of who you are is that at university you're studying things that are outside of the realms of um, creative arts as well. Mm. You're bilingual? Yes. Bilingual? Very good. Is it Italian? Italian, yeah. Italian? Okay. Uh, I should have done some homework and learned some Italian <laughs> phrases, but I don't have any. <laughs> you can do a little... Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> Fluent. <laughs> Now, <laughs> yeah, you have lived in Italy. Yeah, um, for a was it a year you did your yeah I did. Oh, Very I loved good. it. Tell us about that. Oh my god! So, um, so actually, I'm going to chop in. Yeah. Is your course in is in, in Italian? Italian? Uh, it's, is it? I'm doing a joint honors, so I'm 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 studying history and Italian. Wow! Wow! Yeah, okay. yeah it's like two degrees, but like in one. You're very casual about that. That's quite a big thing to do. Yeah, I'm good. I um, I love it. But on the on 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 the same, you know, I, I do love it, but I, I'm also raring to to go and just get out of of education. It's yeah. just been a long time, and I finished this week. So, Woo! um, but yeah, no. So I was. So let's should we talk about Italy? Do it. Okay. So Italy was Italy was really wonderful. Um, but it was chaos because of Brexit. Oh, so the yes. first thing I'll just keep this really short and sweet. Um, is that obviously now because of Brexit, there's all of this all of this sort of. Uh, bureaucracy that you have to go through to get residency permits and visas and all of that um, and we were the first sort of year to actually have to go through all of that so I I essentially just found myself uh, in Bologna with no idea like what I was supposed to do I had 90 days of like legal like residency because you can just travel in sort between holiday visa yeah basically yeah. holiday visa exactly um, and my Italian was subpar like and I basically had to go to this post office which is actually a huge palace like police station wow. and i was just like hi like i need i need a residency permit like what have i got to do and then you've got to you've got to submit all of these different documents and i was just like i don't know where to go and like da -da -da. and then you're finding yourself somewhere trying to talk to someone in a language you don't speak and then you're thinking why am i here i, I wish i'd chosen something else and like <laughs> can i just do the history side instead and then but in the end uh it was amazing i managed to sort of finesse the system legally uh, <laughs> and i had a wonderful time and i i did six months in bologna um at university uh which was wild um i i saw it as kind of a bonus year because i only really had to pass it and just demonstrate that i'd learned italian to a better extent and i was fluent so i studied chinese 
and I studied when I was there. No, it made no sense. And I'll tell you, it's really funny. But I did, I did Chinese. I did uh, Asian philosophy, and another one I did Hindi as well. And I think I did a uh, like an anthropology one. But it was just so funny because I I had no idea what I was doing, and I had this exam in Chinese after literally like cramming for a month. It, obviously, it was taught in Italian as well. I didn't even speak, you know. And she was no, like, stop. yeah. So you're learning Chinese that you had no, no, no idea. Do no, no, no. And you're learning it in, in your Italian. second language. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was just thinking, Jamie. I'm never going to get this opportunity ever. Like, true, like true. I can, you know, I'm so here. It's really you have to have certain qualifications to do whatever. You know, when am I going to learn Chinese? And like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, why not make life just even more chaotic? Like, so I was there, and she she just asked me in Chinese. I can't remember how to say it now, but because it was crammed. Um, she goes, so what's the weather like? And I couldn't remember for the life of me how to actually say how the weather was. Yeah. So I just said the only word that I can remember, which was that it was sunny. And she looks out the window and goes, it's not sunny. <laughs> so then I said in Chinese, I said, it's not sunny. And she, <laughs> and she looked at me and she was like, fair play. And then <laughs> she, like, she like passed me for it. But this was like, my year was just like that. I literally like slipped through the net for all of them. Like I had, you know, um, but anyway, yeah. So Bologna was one side of things. And then I was supposed to go and do a work placement for the rest of the year in Chianti, which was, it looked very idyllic and it was, you know, in, in, in the hills and in Tuscany and selling wine and stuff. Mm. But I had a very valuable tip off from a friend who was doing the placement prior to me that it was basically slave labor. Um, that it was just awful. You were doing un ungodly hours. It was in the middle of nowhere. Like the nearest place to get a bus was like 45 minutes walk. Oh, and, like, wow. So I basically was in Bologna. I'd already left the country by, by now. I was very settled and it was very close to the end of my first term. So I was thinking, what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you, you have to keep all the, all the stuff watertight to get the funding and to get all of the Erasmus sort of like guarantee, you know, documents or whatever. Yeah. So luckily, I managed to get a really last minute transfer to Pisa and I did another university placement um, and it worked out amazingly um, because I had the time of my life there. And uh, by this time, yeah, I, I, I did Arabic and Polish the second time around. <laughs> I did. Um, oh, my God. I started doing neuroscience. I did a half a course of <laughs> neuroscience and then I realized that I just absolutely couldn't keep it up. Um, because I had to, I was revising atoms again and like, the, oh, like, you know, chemical, like, um, GCSE well, chemistry. <laughs> yeah. I was literally, well, right. And I was just like, no, I'm way out of my depth. Let me just yeah. like, let me just drink some Aperol spray yes. and <laughs> just wing my way out of, I don't know, get credit somehow. So, you know, another way, but yeah, it was just, the whole experience was just, it was wild. It was like a holiday, but in like, in the most unconventional, fantastic way. Um, and yeah, I was so depressed to move back to to rainy rainy Manchester. Yeah, I can understand. It sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. that is. Yeah. You have a drive to do the most amazing thing. <laughs> amazing is one word for it. It is. Ailey is another. I've just learned so much about you in such a short space of time. That's crazy. But again, <laughs> when else are you going to do this in your life? Right, life's too short. Yeah, we've seen that. Yes, yes, we have. You know. Yes. Uh, learn the languages darling yeah. you know <laughs> wow do you have sorry that's actually caught me really off guard <laughs> i'm like yeah okay um wow okay <laughs> do you have any plans to go back out there at some point in your life yeah um i, I don't know i don't know about living there uh, but i'm definitely going to visit uh a lot because my boyfriend lives in pisa so i, mm. I actually met 
I met my my boyfriend when I was on my year abroad. Oh. Very cliche, very lucky. Um, another amazing thing to come out it, of the year. It's really, yeah, it was it was wonderful, and actually, it made a big a big difference, I think, to my experience because I was really involved in the local culture. Yeah, you know, I was doing, I was living like an Italian person, which was um, which was amazing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I think uh, I definitely have plans to to keep going back to Pisa at least for the next couple of years because he has a you know like a work sort of commitment, obviously. Mm. Um. Uh, but the situation at the moment in Italy is actually quite uh, awkward politically. It's oh. quite um, it's quite backward, and the government right now is, for want of a better word, fascist. Wow. Um, it's just not it's not going in the right direction at all. Um, and so I think I think rather than go back there like and live there, it would probably just be like a visiting for now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's just it's really not you know on that note. It's, sorry to get all political about it but it's not it's not a it's not a great environment at the moment very sort of anti-queer very anti um yeah just it, it's just not it's the opposite of progression mm. um so yeah pisa is fine you know it's all the states still have their relative sort of autonomy and you know you can still vote and all of that but it's yeah. just yeah still behind the times we're not we're not yeah we're not perfect over here but we've definitely no. got that bit better yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah you're absolutely right um it's time to get out yeah. this book. And if you like this book and you want 10% off this lovely Dingbats notebook, you can use the code Jamie10 at checkout and get 10% off. This is my lovely um, guest book. And each person that I have on, we take a lovely Polaroid and they forward a question to a future creative. Okay. I'm going to give you a question from Mr. Ashley Stilburn. And I've used this a few times. It's such a good question. Uh, Ashley was the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and he was in Les Mis for a while for a few different characters. But he's... A it, few different characters yeah. in Les Mis. Yeah, he's, he's quite... Quite quite the man. He's also really into cycling now. It's got nothing to do with it, but there you go. Um, <laughs> his question is, as a creative, the pressure and the need to drop important commitments at a moment's notice is inherent. How do you maintain meaningful relationships amidst, amidst this kind of turmoil and chaos? I think it's a twofold process. I think a lot of it happens on its own. Hmm. I think you don't always have to necessarily maintain the relationships from a sense of kind of like personal agency like i i have to constantly make sure that everyone's happy yeah um because i think if you have the right relationships and the foundations are there those people will accommodate you and you have that sort of mutual understanding with them as well that you're respecting their time and their their friendship as well or relationship or whatever um but i would also say so yeah so the the, the first part of the two-fold process is basically just like it, it happens on its own you know if you find yourself going from a from a to b and and b being like suddenly you're really busy and you're doing loads of work that's a wake-up call and that is uh you know that is a teller of, of the quality of your relationships and whether they're the right ones for you um but then the other side of it is is finding the balance um and it's making that call which is really difficult to do of uh of saying actually yeah i'm i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be there um for for this thing because i really have to do this gig because you know it could be really good for me and you know i i i wanna i wanna get more gigs in the future um but i think also you have to be you have to be nice to yourself and remind yourself of the fact that you're doing this because when you eventually get there you're gonna take your friends along with you as well mm -hmm. so it's like you know you you're not less necessarily letting them down but it's like you're just it's 
it's uh, foresight. It's kind of like, you know, in, in the, I'm going to, I'm doing this and I'm going to miss like this party, but we're going to all celebrate, you know, five years time when I'm, you know, when I'm main stage or when I'm doing this or whatever, all of us are going to be there. And I just think it's, it's like a mutual thing. Yeah. I love that. And you've touched upon the gigging scene. Yeah. Um, I've had the same thing for years gigging as a musician where it's it's impossible to know exactly where one gig is going to lead on to or where one connection that you meet on a gig yeah. that you have no idea they're going to be there is going to lead to in five in five years time in 10 years time um you know even some of these friends like uh, Dante right there yes i met him i was on tour in dubai with hacienda classical and i met him by absolute fluke in the bar that he was finishing his gig at. I, I caught the last two tunes and I never normally do this, but I went up and I was like, dude, you are the most amazing drummer I've ever seen. We stayed in touch. And then uh, about a month and a half ago, I flew out to Dubai and, and we did the podcast and, and, and casual. it's, it's very <laughs> casual, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, it, you, you don't know where these people are going to become important again in your life. And if you've got friends that, don't you know show some resistance to that yes or or just put obstacles in your way it, yes it can be really hard because you can't always explain to people that just aren't going to get it yeah it's really tricky so the gigging scene is hard yeah I've, right? I've i've definitely had i've definitely had that as well i think this year uh there, you know there were a couple of gigs i was i was getting just before christmas and there was a person who is actually not my friend anymore and, and this is the thing it's not because of, i've not done it you know. are you listening I've not done nothing. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it was for that exact reason. It was just pe kind of, they they couldn't uh, appreciate my judgment and the fact that I was actually respecting the friendship by considering their feelings. And instead, it, it you know, they were gaslighting me. <laughs> you know, they were like, oh, well, I can see where your priorities are now. And I'm like, yeah, but my priorities should be all of our, you know, it's all of our priorities. Like, yeah. you know, it, would you not do the same if you're in my position? And uh you know, it's, you don't want any of that. You don't want, you don't want that. You don't want jealous people. You don't want, you know, any sort of negativity because it's just, it's just not worth it. No, you know, it, it isn't. And, and, and the, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. See you later. Bye. Darling. Yeah. <laughs> Relationships can be romantic, can be friendships, but you've also got uh, and a relationship with your family, your mom and dad, brothers and sisters. How have you found your creative endeavors have they strengthened your relationship with your family? How's that relationship side been? I think um, without making this sound like it's like it's necessarily been a negative, I think at least in the beginning with drag, if we take drag as an example, it was such an abstract idea, I think, for my family to sort of process yeah. um, and understand. Um, I'm, you know, my... I'm also the I'm the only queer person in my family as well. So there's kind of that attachment to drag culture. At least for me, it doesn't have to always be like that. But for me, it is. Um, that it was just kind of like a big learning thing. Um, and I think it was it was not necessarily something that they understood. And so when I was throwing all of my energy into it, I think perhaps there was a tendency for them to not see it as as like a an active like as a as a serious pursuit basically mm. just kind of like a just whatever but um it was only when i started to do it a lot more sort of regularly and i was putting you know i was performing more invisible and you know i was doing whatever that they would they understood actually ah oh, no this is just you know you're, you're doing like what we all do you know you're just you're in your bag you know or you're you're just doing you're, you found your your purpose or whatever but i can't deny i'm very lucky and i've always been very supportive 
Um, but I think it's just certain types of creative energy maybe take people a little bit longer to sort of understand. Um, I think also I am I am a creative person, and I think in my family, um, most of them are well, they're all either scientists or they've pursued quite a, um, a vocational sort of education, and you know, doing other things, completely opposite, really. Yeah. Um, but I think my yeah it's not really it's not really affected our relationships in, in a different way it's if anything it's just made everyone understand things um and yeah it's 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 always like this i think totally yeah life is yeah have you found drag to be useful in any way when talking about sexuality i don't know whether it's so much sexuality as it is gender um i think if we're without being problematic if we all if we put it under a general umbrella of queerness mm. whether that's sexuality or gender or whatever I think it's definitely it's definitely something that has helped them to understand what drag is. Yeah. Because they've seen they've seen drag as an extension of my queerness. Um, whether that's being a, a non-binary person and experimenting with sort of gender binaries and and um and gender convention. Um, or or, you know, some of my performances have been have been sexual, sexually sort of like queer sexual experiences. So it's been, you know, I've been talking about men dating men or, or whatever you know mm. it's kind of it's an umbrella experience it's, it's a broad experience but i think it's definitely been a, a part of that um sexuality isn't something that i think comes into my drag a lot um it might be a sub you know like a like a subtext you mm. know if, if, if it's lyrics or whatever and i'm being cheeky but it's not like my main thing yeah but it can be for some people you yeah know, people people's a lot of a lot of uh a lot of drag queens i know have this very overly sexualized uh character and that for them is their sort of opportunity to really be a sexual person in a way that they're probably not feeling like they are able to in their everyday life because they're restricted yeah yeah so you can take it anywhere for me it's elements of everything but it's just general queerness it's just my uh it's my experience as a as a queer person in a broad sense final little segment i want to talk yeah. about is you're a you're finishing uni literally as we speak um and you are gigging you are getting ready for performances like pride yeah what is what's your sort of day no week to week look like in terms of a gigging artist in manchester at the moment what does that look like so um well at the moment i'm obviously juggling my degree but from from after tomorrow um i i have my sort of my weekly job which is uh excuse me dancing uh just you know it's go-go dancing in in bars uh in in manchester and i also have um specific sort of gigs in other cities that are like cabaret gigs or or their drag performances um and so you know no no two weeks look the same um and i think that's actually something that is really is really fabulous about this lifestyle because you just never know where you're going to end up um there is an element of, of sort of stability though because i know that i'm, I'm going to do like the same sort of thing every now and then but um but it, yeah it's just you find yourself in in just you find yourself all over actually and i finally i've come to a point in my life where i'm actually having to say no to people yes um <laughs> right finally because you know once upon a time i was like oh i just i want i want this i want to get i want i want to get booked or whatever but actually like i'm so busy now good that I, you know, i'm not gonna have any time i've got like three free weekends now up, up until now in september so you know good. my my weekdays are now gonna have to be writing my music and doing my own stuff you know like my mm -hmm. sort of shanika working on and all of that um and it's it's just wild like that sort of 
that tra trajectory that sort of you know but um but yeah it can be it could be anything so this week for example i have uh tomorrow when i've got my i've got my essay to submit then i have rehearsals in the afternoon and then i'm working in the evening um and then i have a show um the next day and then next weekend i'm going to southampton and i've got this big um this this wonderful gig with with, with uh it's, it's like a family catwalk extravaganza like feel good sort of workshop um for for like young families and so you know that's that's an example of something that's quite different i don't do that all the time but yeah, yeah. it's a big gig um and then yeah did just... i see you recently at the tate yes as well tell that, us about that, that that's right was, that, was that, so, epic. that was so it was really epic and i had no business being there because <laughs> i'm not a model but essentially I happened upon this is how it works, right? So I was doing a go go. I was doing a I was doing a dancing gig just before Christmas. I was very lucky to to do this this job, and it was wonderful. And there were loads of different teams of people. There were people who I worked with, who you know we were just there dancing just before Christmas. But then there was a fashion show, so there were some you know wild personalities there, and you know very sort of glamorous and whatever. And we just kind of exchanged social media. Um, and then later on, they were, you know, for Eurovision, um, they had managed to sort of organise this fantastic uh, fashion exhibition at the Tate in Liverpool. Um, and they messaged me and said, I, I just remember working with you before Christmas. I loved your energy. Uh, like, you know, let's go. Like, if you're if you're free, let's 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 do this. So um, so I did it and it was absolutely insane. And I loved it. And we were showcasing um, like brand new um, sort of like just fashion look mm. um for you know I, I think it was for graduates this year who were doing fashion degrees um in and around the area um and we were just there just it was a celebration of uh it was like a eurovision celebration it was very queer heavy as well it was very sort of just camp and uh yes it was it was wonderful and and now i can say that i've uh i've catwalked at the tape it's epic it's it was so cool to see <laughs> and i love as well that You've just said I had no business being there. I mean, you absolutely did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, but you're just leaning into it. And just yeah, it. and that's exactly that's what it's all about. What does the next chunk of time look like for you? The one thing I'm sure of is I need to streamline my energy a little bit more and put it into into something on its own. That being my drag. So I think I've just not had the time to invest in drag recently because I've been doing so many, so many just random things. You know, I've been I've been. I've been at uni, I've been doing gigs as Jay, I've been doing cabaret gigs as Shanika, I've been, you know, choreographing for other people and taking more of a backseat role. And I think this summer, when I'm when I only have to focus on creative things, which again is a huge task, mm. um, in all of my all of my free time is just gonna go into working on my music so that I can then relaunch myself and then come pride in August, fingers crossed, I will have something new and ready uh to to take me over onto the next step um what i've been doing up until now is building networks and doing all these different little things so that you know when i find myself in that room at the right place at the right time that everyone talks about i have common ground with people and i have something that i can say you know mm -hmm. yeah i've done this i can i can get in that way but um but yeah it's it's gonna be shanika 2023 i love it uh, now thank you so much for your time your energy today I, I also want to thank you for, there's a mantra that I say at the end, which is um, something that I've, I've thought and talked to loads of people about, which is being exactly you, okay. be exactly you. And when you, you know, when I think of you, but also when I see you do what you do, you are leaning so hard into exactly what you want to do at that moment, whether it be 
these crazy degrees, <laughs> whether it be your dance or your drag or, or just how you present yourself, it's really inspirational. And I suppose it goes Aww. back to... Thanks, Jamie. But it's all right. <laughs> it goes back to, you know, the story that our mutual friend told us about um, at the Christie. It's exactly that. And it's really... I really want you to be able to remember that because, it, you know, we don't think of ourselves in third person yeah. very much. But just by doing what you're doing with such force, it really is inspiring for so many people around. So I really appreciate that. Thank, thanks for saying that. That's Thank you. And likewise, of course. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's very it's remarkable. And actually this this whole project is just is, is a wonderful idea and Thank you very well much. Well done to you. Thank you. <laughs> if you're still listening at home, thank you very, very much. This is very weird because I've been doing it on two cameras, so I'll be looking at this wide lens. Wherever you are in the world and whatever you are doing, remember to create with people, connect with people, but most importantly, be exactly you. Until the next time, peace. <laughs>